You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Hello, welcome to episode 50 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. I'm Bethany, and today's episode is brought to you by Patreon supporters. Thank you. So today's special guest for the 50th episode is... I am Ariel Holmes. (laughs) What else do you want? (laughs) Uh, You can tell us a little bit about yourself. I also usually ask guests to tell everyone how they found the series, but um, you found it because I told you to read it. Uh, Yeah, that was was how I found the series, was you. Um, Let's see. I live in the middle of Illinois. I'm a hairstylist. And I have a lovely two and a half year old that just went to sleep. Well, went to bed. No one says she went to sleep. <laughs> Do you have a favorite character? Winter. Really? Oh, I'm so excited. I haven't got that answer yet. I have, actually, I based a D&D character off of her. That's awesome. Well, we haven't met her yet in the series. We just know about her. So no spoilers. You'll have to come back for all those episodes. Do you have a favorite book? Winter. Winter? The whole concept of the character I like so much. Yeah. So I just put it all in there. Like, I'm not (laughs) kidding. I I based an entire D&D character off of her, like almost to a T. I believe you. What are you currently reading or what is on your next list to be read? So I'm actually currently reading a, a David Eddings series. Um, he's a high fantasy author. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say I'm on. Oh. I think it's called, I think the series is called The Malorian, but it's like a secondary series from the first series, because it's all in the same world. And I oh. want to say it's like The Sorceress of Darshiva. And it's not, actually. It's King of the Murgos. King of the so Murgos. I haven't gotten to The Sorceress of Darshiva, but I've read <laughs> it several times, so... I almost forgot my phone because I actually have a new review to read. I don't know who either one of these reviews is from, but we got two this week. Uh, the first one is five stars. This podcast is wonderful. It's really fun and interesting to listen to. The hosts have very interesting conversations and you will feel like you are part of the conversation and the community is amazing. Thank you. Oh, we have three. I'm sorry. This is from another podcaster. He hosts a podcast called Listen, Listen, Listen. That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> and it, it's so funny. Everybody, please go check it out. It's so funny. It's literally him using all these funny voices to rant for like five to ten minutes. And that's the whole episode. 
That's it's basically funny. a grind my gear segment, but in an episode. I love it. So he <laughs> says, <laughs> the podcast is a great book club that you can visit even when you're stuck in isolation. It's entertaining, fun, and interesting to listen to. It raises a lot of great points with each book, so it's definitely worth a listen. Thank you, Curtis. And last one. This is such a great podcast! Exclamation point. If you're a fan of the Lunar Chronicles or Marissa Meyer, Bethany does... Oh, thank you. Bethany does a great job of going chapter by chapter and discussing it without spoilers. It's very in-depth stuff, and I found myself going back to my book since I hadn't picked up on certain things and rereading it with a whole new perspective. A very fun podcast that needs to be added to any fan of the series. Five stars. Thank you. That's actually why I reread series over and over again. Yeah, me too. To pick up on those. And it's the same reason with like movies and stuff. Like I will watch the same movie five times in a row if I really like it. And I'll start picking up all those little extras that you just didn't quite get that first time. In this book, that's what we're calling the Easter eggs. And that's one of the best parts of the the podcast and the Patreon is getting to find all those Easter eggs and talk about them. And even some of the ones that I miss, which I mean, obviously I'm not perfect i miss them all the time but you know it's like um i think the go-to is probably harry potter i think everybody completely wrote off pretty much everything that happened in chamber of secrets and then book seven came around and it was like oh that was important (laughs) i didn't pay attention to any of that i was just so annoyed that whole book and then it was like Uh, no it turns out there's all these tiny little clues i remember when order of the phoenix came out and i still lived with my dad so i was like 12 at this time and I stayed up all night and read that book. <laughs> yeah. All night long. I it was like four in the morning. I finished it. And I was just like, <gasps> what do I do? Ah. I remember I got grounded when the third book came out because, oh, usually this is me explaining things to people, but you grew up with me. You know, my yellow house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause it's right on the street, right? So I don't know if you remember this, but my bedroom had a window that was directly under the streetlight. So I could literally sit in my window and read my book past my bedtime, which I did for most of my childhood and no one noticed. Well, then my dad became a nurse and started working nights. And it was like two days after the third book came out and I was sitting in my window reading my book. I didn't even notice him come home. I had plenty of time to put the book away, hide, act like nothing happened, but I was so caught up that I didn't even notice him literally pulling into the driveway. And that's how I got the third book taken away. And I had like three chapters left and I was, I was so upset. How long was it taken away for? I mean, you know, my dad, it was like two days and then he forgot. (laughs) If it had been my mom, I probably would have been a month. But my dad, it was a day and a half. And then I was like, can I have my book back? And he was like, what? Oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) End of it. He's pretty chill. But today we're actually not talking about Harry Potter. Nope, not at all. Today we're going to talk about chapters 31 and 32 of Scarlet. I've been asking guests how they're doing with quarantine. How are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> with, with quarantine and a two-year-old. <laughs> Are you sure we want to talk about that? But she's very, I mean, and, and it's a good thing. She's very inquisitive and wants to do everything and wants to be part of everything. And that's great. You know, she's she's the little two-year-old girl that's got dad's screwdriver and she's 
tightening dad's lug nuts on his truck because I guess that's what you use when you're two. <laughs> and, you know, she'll take her play hammer onto her playground and she'll go hammering on it and then come run and say, I fixed it, mommy. I fixed it. <laughs> but then when you're trying to build furniture and she's hiding your screws and then you drop said cabinet on your toe, it's just, it's rough. It's rough. That does sound rough. And I think it's just because I'm not built to be stay-at-home mom. Stay-at-home moms are heroes. And I had a lot of appreciation for them even before this quarantine thing. But now that I'm forced to be home, I just, I, I just, I'm like, I don't know what to do with her. I don't know what to do. I, sometimes we do some fun things and then sometimes it's just a bad day. So it's funny because I always say how much I miss teaching preschool and then I talk to parents and they're like, Oh, I hate you. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's, I feel like it's different. Well, you know? and this is hard on her too. Cause it is hard on her. She's, she's used got to, friends and she goes every day, every week, you know, and now she's home and she can't go see little Colin from daycare or Miss Debbie or whomever because we just can't. I'm sorry. It's hard for kids to understand that. It's hard for me to understand it. I mean, like, I understand it. I'm not stupid. I just, you know, it sucks. Mm-hmm. It really sucks. It does. Soon. It does. Soon. I don't know. I'm scared of soon. <laughs> We're opening the shop this week, and I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, I mean, we both know I'm a really dramatic person, but, like, I'm pretty nervous about it. I think with me, it's more, I'm more nervous about what we're going to have to do when we get back. Since my job does not allow you to have six feet of distance between you and Mm -hmm. the customer. Obviously, we already had sanitation. We have sanitation laws. We have to follow what we have to follow. But Sport Clips Corporation is going to add lots more. and. With the commission rates based on how you, how, um, how well you do it and how fast you do it and, you know, how much product you sell and whatever. I mean, there's a 10 minute gap in there where you're supposed to have certain things on your, 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 uh, implements to sanitize them. And that's going to cut into your commission time. So how are we going to fix that? We have to have a coordinator because they're going to have to help us to sanitize everything. Because instead of doing our what we used to do, they've made it so you have to add all these extra steps. And you can't do that when you've got an hour and a half for three-hour wait time. Mm-hmm. I don't and it's know. gonna it's going to be like that for a while. You could start a hairstylist podcast. You could like share tips and interview other hairstylists and no. <laughs> Do you know how many oh no, no. I would get so many bad reviews just because hairstylists as a whole are catty. So <laughs> they try to be a community that like uplifts each other, but at the same time you get those that are just like you did this wrong and, and, and nope, 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 nope. I'm good. I'll be a guest. <laughs> so first thing we're going to talk about is fan art Friday, which is of my favorite character, Captain Carswell Thorne. 
This is from May 15th. It's by Terry Who underscore cartoons on Instagram. And it is of Captain Carswell Thorne in his mugshot. Yes. Now, Captain Carswell Thorne is my favorite character. Um, so I'm always happy to get fan art from him. <laughs> what did you think of the fan art? Oh, it's, it's wonderful. I'm terrible at drawing people. I don't do people. So, like, anyone that can draw a person, even in, you know, um, sign and happiness style is great. <laughs> but this is, this is beautifully done. I absolutely love it. I think it's charming. Oh yeah, you can kind of, you can definitely see the, almost like the arrogance in it too. Yeah, like a smirk. Yeah, she's like, yeah, yeah you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's behind the camera? Is she pretty? <laughs> that's yeah, that's Thorne's question. Is you, are you married, girl? Yeah. I'll at you, boy. <laughs> so thank you, uh, Terry Who Cartoons, for sharing that with us. Last week, Patreon members voted on chapter titles for chapter 29. It's Bad Liar by Imagine Dragons. And chapter 30 is If I Can't Love Her from Beauty and the Beast, the Broadway musical. Mm. That was a good one. Okay, so now it's time for a chapter discussion. Are you ready? Yeah. Are my notes yeah. like a little chaotic? No. Um, there were some things that I was like, I would read through and be like, I don't know what you're talking about and have to like find the pages again and be like, oh, okay. Cause like, there's one that says like, page this paragraph, this. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I don't have it in my brain. Like, which will. I, I do that when it's something I want to read out loud. Oh, okay. Or if it's something that I want to, I want to make notes on, but then I realize I'm just typing out the whole paragraph, so I'll just put the paragraph in the page. Oh, okay. So last week we left off with Wolf and Scarlet, and now we're back with Cinder and Thorn. Uh, we last saw them watching the press conference of Kai. Cinder was trying to hide the Rampion by saying different versions of the word hide, and <laughs> Thorn thinks that Scarlet is the lost princess. Yay. Mm-hmm. So we're back on Earth. They're at a farm. I just love that Thorn is tossing on a leather jacket to get off of his ship and on a farm. Are you sure you need that? I picture him needing to look a certain way every time he leaves the house. Yeah. But I also think because they're trying to find somebody mm-hmm. that it's also a... Uh, I don't know. It, it feels kind of like a, based on the, how much he does his leather jacket, like, like a, uh, word, 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 word. <laughs> like a self-conscious thing. Okay. I am not me without this. Oh, yes. Like my yeah. mom and her makeup. Yeah. Or me and my wedding rings. I've gotten attached to them. Ah, uh, watch. Yeah. I sit there and I, I like twist my ring around my finger sometimes. And so if I'm not wearing it and I go to do that, I'm like, oh, sh-. I freak out a little bit. Where is it? Where'd it go? Sometimes well, I'll take it off and then forget about it for like four hours. Well, I only take mine off to like wash and lotion and stuff. So they don't get taken off very much. But sometimes I take it off and I'll forget. Like the dogs got a bath today, so I took it off. But giving the dogs a bath is like an hour. So I completely forgot about it. And then I went to mess with it and I was like, oh, sh-. where'd that go? Yeah. And Quentin likes to 
hurt my feelings because because he knows he knows how dramatic I can be. So like if I forget and I'm not wearing, he'll be he'll just be like, oh, so I guess we're just not in love anymore. Like I see how it is. <laughs> we're married for seven years and you throw away my love like it's nothing. I'm like, no, I just forgot to put them back on. And he's like, whatever. It's cool. I'm still wearing mine, but okay. Hey, hey, Byron lost his original wedding band within the first two weeks of our marriage in the yeah. ocean. And broke his original wedding band, uh, I think a month in, and then lost the replacement I bought him, and then lost the second replacement I bought him, and now he gets $10 silicone ones, and that's all he gets. We have a package of silicone ones just for Byron when he loses it. Yep. That's all Quentin has now because all the other ones are gone. I lost it or broke it or whatever. Mine are just fine. Anyways, we're way off topic. So Thorne is wearing his armor, his leather jacket, his signature look. Got it. I did something. Uh, they're in the. <laughs> he says that they're in the middle of nowhere, so it'll take a long time for the police to get there. Cinder is finally thinking with some self-preservation in mind, which made me really happy because this whole series... She has been a little too careless, if you ask me. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. She stresses me out, dude. Oh, it's it's like it's like watching it's like watching a horror movie. And you're just like, why are you doing that? Stop <laughs> doing that. You're just I mean, well, it was going to happen. Yeah. No, I 100 percent agree. It's like watching a horror movie. It's like, don't go in the house. Why are you going in the house? Like, call 911. What are you doing? She's that first girl in the beginning that just dies. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's very refreshing to finally have somebody that finally start thinking like, hmm, maybe I should think about my actions. Yeah. She really is like at least thinking about her, not only her actions, but like the world around her, which is good. She's starting to think about different outcomes, worst case scenarios. Now that's me. That's relatable. I'm definitely a worst case scenario type of person. Oh, yeah. I don't get my hopes up for anything anymore. It's like, yeah. this will probably end this way. More likely than this, like, less than worst case scenario way. But maybe we'll get something good out of it. What else are we supposed to do? Well, I mean... You can't I, plan uh, for anything. There's going to be a pandemic. <laughs> especially now. I was supposed to be in a concert in two weeks with my mom to see a band no one's ever heard of before. And that's now next year. Yeah. I was, supposed to, I was supposed to graduate in two weeks. Like, I'm still graduating, but I don't get the whole graduation thing. I know that it's stupid. I want to make that very clear. I realize I'm a shallow person. I know there are people dying, and I'm sorry. I did an entire bachelor's degree in five semesters with a 4.0, and I wanted my blue tassels. Uh, Yeah. And they were going to be, like, they're, like, navy blue, and on the bottom they have, like, little gold frill on them. Yeah. I really I wanted those. I would be very upset. There Are they not going to hold a, uh, a no. later graduation? No. Because I know, at least for here, they tentatively have a uh, graduation set in June. For the Theoretically, seniors. they were going to reschedule it to August, but they already said that that's not a possibility. So now they're saying if we want to, we can graduate with the fall class in in the end of December. But that's only if there's enough spots open. That's only if there's enough spots open. Like, I feel you should have precedent or uh, right? precedent or like priority. Seniority? I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, and Quentin is no help. Quentin is like, what do you care? You still have to get your master's degree. Hey, f*** off. This is exciting. I want my loose hassles. Yeah, and you worked hard for it, and he can just, you know, expletives here. Because <laughs> while you do do some bleeping out, like, I don't think you can bleep out my whole phrase. <laughs> so Cinder is thinking about how they must have been lucky because they didn't get caught yet, but she wonders how much of her ridiculous chanting is actually working. And I don't know if you listened to that episode, but I had way too much fun picturing her just sitting there in her bunker, like hide, cloak, invisible, disappear. (laughs) (laughs) It just had so much fun picturing her like sitting there just using different versions of the word hide over and over again you're using it like you see it as just like it was something fun like in my brain like i was just like a quick like thing of just like okay i'm gonna do this and it started off like really really gung-ho we're gonna do this and then it like cuts to the middle and we're just like okay just just please just don't let anybody see us you know, <laughs> like, do it and then at the end she's just like just hide <laughs> No, I like your way way better. Mine is, like, comical and yours is realistic. Because <laughs> that's how Cinder would act. <laughs> I did the best I could, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, no one's discovered them yet, and the farm is completely deserted. And I love Aiko. They're about to leave, and uh Aiko goes, You two, go off and have fun now. I'll be sitting here by myself, all alone. Checking for radar interference and running diagnostics. It's going to be fantastic. I just love how passive aggressive she is. One of, uh, if you're, if you want to go with a long standing character throughout the series, she is my favorite. Like, yeah. <laughs> hands down, the whole series, Aiko is the best thing I have ever read in my life. I love it. She is the inside of my brain if I've ever seen it. I was talking about in the last episode, I was talking about how I think Aiko would be the perfect best friend because I think she'd have <laughs> no problem like helping you pick out clothes and doing your hair and telling you when an outfit looks bad. And she would totally go to a Taylor Swift concert with me. Yeah, that would go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just really like how dramatic she's being and passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. So The ship ramp crushes the farmland. It's this big two-story house, old enough to have survived World War IV. And Aiko says, bring me back a souvenir. She's getting really good at her sarcasm. (laughs) So I don't know about you, but as soon as they get off the ship, I was picturing, like, my grandpa's farm. Because I've been on a farm, right? Like, I grew up in little um, sneak peek behind the curtains, we grew up in the largest farm town in a small farm town community. Yep. And it had like 7,000 people and the smallest one was like 300 people. Um, That depends (laughs) on what side of town you come in on, actually. Oh, how many people is it? I managed to figure that out a few years ago. Like if you come (laughs) in from the east, it says like 75 or 78, something like that. But if you come in from, oh, I don't remember if it was the west or the north, it says like eight something. Ooh. Uh, it depends on what side of town you're on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, li- I like the way that it's described how the you can feel like the the 
mud being all squishy under their feet. And I could pretty much smell like the corn and the hay. And I do miss the smell of corn in the summer. You don't really get that down here. So it doesn't really feel like summer. Um, don't worry. The moment you come back, you just start sneezing because you haven't been around it for so long. <laughs> I have way more allergies down here than I ever did up there. When just Harvest Stevens comes, I am a mess. So. Yeah. I will say I can definitely tell when we're driving home. I can tell when we're almost there because about an hour away, I can smell ADM. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. mm, it smells like home now. I can smell soybeans. <laughs> yeah. uh, side note, my mm-hmm. dad used to brew his own beer when I was like oh, eight or so. We lived in Oregon. Yeah. And he'd do it in the house, in the apartment that we lived in. <laughs> okay, so you know the smell just permeated the whole area. Yeah. And I don't know if he used soybeans or if it was the barley or if it was whatever, but ADM smells like my dad brewing beer, and that's what I always think about. That is interesting. It's fair, but it's a thing. I definitely did not know that. Mm-hmm. I only associate it with home. So, <laughs> well, my dad worked at the, so my dad growing up worked at the Firestone plant, which was, I don't know, like six miles away from the ADM plant. So we used to drive by the ADM plant every two days to pick my dad up from work. Yeah. So that's like where I associate the smell with home is, is my dad. Um, the smells from the book that you can like definitely smell when you start thinking of like a farmland and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I can already smell just in my backyard. That's awesome. We don't really get that down here. Well, it's honestly, it's because Byron put hay down on my yard to grow grass. And of course, it's rained for like Mm -hmm. on and off for the last week and a half. So there's mud and wet. And then, of course, you got the smell of like cut grass and Mm -hmm. then the new smells of things just like growing. And it's just, it's a whole big conglomeration of stuff and most of it I can smell. You can't really smell the fresh corn yet, but we haven't gotten there. <laughs> but you will in about two and a half, three weeks you'll get you'll it'll start to creep up. Cinder says it's quiet and she finds it peaceful like Scarlet did, but Thorn thinks it's creepy how quiet it is. Says I'm guessing Thorn's a city boy. So here I have a question. There's a barn, there's a chicken coop, there's a shed, there's a large hangar. Where's the stable? We found out that she had a cow, and I want to know where the stable is for the cow. You don't need a stable. You put it in the barn. Well, I guess if you only have one cow, right? Like, if you don't have five cows, you don't need, like, an actual stable. All right, fine. And if you've got, like, a a pretty decent-sized barn, like, just your stereotypical this is a barn in your brain. Right. Red, whatever. I mean, that's. <laughs> Big enough, based on what I remember, they have people that do the jobs for them. I don't think they really have super big equipment. It was three or four chapters ago that she talked about milking the cow in the mm-hmm. in her dream. And so I was like, well, but I guess I was thinking of, so the farms that I've been on, they have more than one cow, so they have a stable. The cows don't stay in the barn because there's too many of them. So that makes sense. The cow's in the barn. I got it. And I actually wrote that down in my notes. Did you write, Bethany, you're stupid, it's in the barn? Uh, no. <laughs> I, it literally says barn for cow, because I was just like, <laughs> it's in the barn. Like, why wouldn't it be in the barn? 
barnyard animals, you know, barn for the cows. (laughs) Barn for the cows. It's okay. You do a lot of work. I'm going to be here to like get you back. Somebody has to answer my stupid questions. (laughs) Okay. So I was wanting to say something like when you talk about like the, when Thorne gets onto the barn and whatnot, you know, you can, it talks about how he steps and how he's walking. And I mean, you can definitely, I get hit. He feels so clunky. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just because it's, it's mud. There's a certain way you walk in mud. Yeah. And if you've never walked mm-hmm. in mud before, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And so it's just like, all I could imagine was just this guy just like, just stomp, 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 you know, cause that's how he feels. You should be mocking in yeah. mud. I just have this feeling that Thorne is a city boy and he's never had to deal with mud before. And so if anything, the inner monologue of Thorne is just about his shoes, getting mud all over them. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just like this. So dumb. There's so much mud and I got to clean these boots and ruining my good boots. I could, I could feel it. And honestly with Cinder, I know she, you know, grew up in a city she Mostly. just doesn't care about being dirty. Yeah. And being outside after, cause she's so used, she was so used to being, you know, on earth and mm-hmm. there's, there's sky and there's breezes and there's things. And it would feel very nice to be out of that ship. Yeah. They're outside and they're on the farm. Cinder is kind of drawn towards the hangar. So she just starts walking towards the hangar. And Thorne says, where are we going? She just completely ignores him. Did you see someone? She just completely ignores him. I have a thing. So um, the phrase gossamer memory, um, it really kind of struck me because um, whenever someone uses the word gossamer anyway, it's I'm... I always just imagine something like super, 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 super tiny, like string that's like shiny. Okay. Okay. So it's really like almost like a silver thread. Like, um, like the, the thread in Hercules. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. Like that. Okay. A tinier. Lots tinier. (laughs) Just very, um, wispy. So it, it always makes me think of like a piece of like super fine, like silver thread. And then like the inside of your brain. So, you know, like the cartoony between like the synapses. Yes. You know, so it always makes me think of like two of those. And you've got like this one's just kind of sad. And, and then it's like a flicker. It's like, hey, silver thread, hey. There's something here. Snap, snap. I want you to draw me your gossamer thread. And then I can share it to our Instagram. Mm, I can try. Okay. I mean, you have plenty of time. Just do it sometime between now and when the podcast ends in nine years. Okay, I got you. You've got you've got plenty of time. Just before Evie is a teenager, if possible. That would be great. Actually, that would be the perfect time to do so when she doesn't be around me. Okay. So, Cinder is super rude. She's completely ignoring Thorn and keeps talking to her and she's just ignoring him. 
She walks into the shed and flips the lights on. I like where it says that her brain is picking up on a general familiarity. Yeah. I don't know why I just struggled so hard to say that word, but I just really liked the phrase general familiarity. I thought that was cool. A general impression of familiarity, tinges of a long lost memory. The way the sun angled in from the door, the combined smells of machinery and manure, the crisscrossed pattern of the exposed trusses. I like that that it's like she has a memory of this place she didn't even know she had a memory of until she got there and then recognized what was going on around her. Mm-hmm. Thorne is still really confused because, again, she's not communicating with him at all. He says, good luck finding something in all of this mess because they're in the hangar. And, of course... It's still a complete mess because the last time someone was there was Scarlett's dad having a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine walking into this amount of mess and not having an anxiety attack because I can't not have things be at least like walk through put away. Mm -hmm. And I'm not OCD. I don't I don't like the joke of like, if you like things clean, you have OCD because OCD is a real mental disorder that. It can be very debilitating to people, and I don't like to make light of it. I just really like things to be clean and put away. And for some reason, it causes me anxiety if it's not. So walking in, even just imagining them walking into the hangar like it is, I get a little frustrated. I'm a little stressed out. Ah, but I can understand their um, shock. Thorn thinks it's basically disrespectful. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure I can trust a pilot with such little respect for her ship. Burn. See, and I'm just over here like, you don't even know the whole story, man. Get off her. <laughs> you don't even know. You just don't even know. <laughs> They're walking around and Cinder notices small pot area and it has three jackets hung up on a rod. And she just kind of walks in there. And so Thorne is like, oh, you really want to change your clothes right now? That's what's important. We're going to change clothes. The mess was no coincidence. Someone had been there and they'd been looking for something. They'd been looking for her. And then she starts crouching underneath this cabinet. She slid her hand against the back corner until it brushed against the handle she'd known would be there. Because in the back corner is a secret door handle, and you pull the door up, and it goes into a secret place underground. And it made me think of Narnia. Yeah, and see, that makes me think of uh, The Mummy Returns. (gasps) I didn't think of that. Yes, it's good like, job. This, it's like this this stuff where you're like, I don't know why I know this. But, but it's there. It, let me turn this thing and open this door, and then we're going to start some booby traps going on. So. Yeah, I just, I just heard her voice saying, then how do I know exactly where I'm going or something? The only movie I've ever seen Brendan Fraser look hot in. Um. <laughs> Side note, my daughter's named after that character. Not, yes, she Not is. Brendan Fraser. Not no. Brendan Fraser, no. Evie, Evelyn. Uh. <laughs> A very good character to be named after. I hope she becomes a fierce, adventurous librarian. She won't. Based on her her likes as of right now and how she likes to use her hands, she's going to be a trade person. She'll be a mechanic. She'll be an engineer. She'll be something that requires her to do something because she's constantly wanting to do the things. And that's subject to change. She's only two. But Right. So she remembers five years ago, a drugged up delirium, always mistaken for a dream. The door is really heavy. And so to me, I'm picturing like a draft chute because of the way it's described and how she has to pull it up from the ground. Is that what you pictured? 
pulled up by a handle and it's really heavy and she has to lift it up from the ground. Yeah. So like, that's a, like a, I'm picturing like a service elevator type of draft door. Yeah. So they go to this sub level and Thorne's like, how did you um know that was there? And she goes, cyborg vision. <laughs> Liar. That's not even a good lie. No, not at all. Cyborg vision. That would just make me cover myself. I'd be like, wait, can you see through my clothes? Right? (laughs) The room is about the size of the hangar. It has no doors and no windows. I I love Thorne sliding down the ladder. He thinks he's the Fonz, but... (laughs) What's really funny is uh, when you read it, he only slides down like the last couple, like the last four or five rungs down. He's going to do half because... You know. <laughs> he's going to wait until he gets close enough to the bottom that he knows he's safe, and then he'll jump off. And um, it'll look cool. <laughs> a tank sat in the center of the room, about two meters long with a domed glass lid. A collection of complex machines stood around it. Life monitors, temperature gauges, bioelectricity scanners. Machines with dials and tubes, needles and screens, plugs and controls. A long operating table against the far wall held an array of movable lights sprouting from each end like a metal octopus. And beside it, a small rolling table with a near-empty jug of sterilizer and an assortment of surgical tools. Scalpels, syringes, bandages, face masks, towels. On the wall were two blank net screens. This is kind of creepy. Maybe I watch too much like Law & Order and listen to too many murder mystery podcasts, but... I feel like walking into this isn't like some cool, oh, I wonder if they kept a princess dinner here. I feel like walking into this is like, I think a serial killer lives at this farm and we should call 911. Mm-hmm. I, I was also wondering, like, and all it says is like, there are these implements here. So during all of the stuff, because they were in theory, they're trying to work fast, right? Yeah. So are they used? Well, it says empty jugs of sterilizer. No, but were they empty before? Like, they don't give you a whole lot to go off of. So I don't know if if we're supposed to just imagine that they're just these shiny, you know, scalpels and things. Or if some of those have been used because they were doing stuff and they had to move quickly and there's no time. I would like to say that the surgical area, because it says that the room is basically part mechanic workshop, part surgical area. I think the surgical area is probably clean and the mechanic area is probably a hot mess. I could go with that. You don't have to worry about giving the car an infection if you don't use hand sanitizer, right? So that's what I would think. You might have to like pay attention, though, because if it's not like partitioned at all, something just doesn't work right or starts to smoke or... Mm -hmm. I agree. So there's an unfinished three-fingered cyborg hand, and apparently Cinder's the only one that notices it, but we'll get to that. The tank is completely empty. It's small enough to fit a child, and it has a goo-like lining. Freaks me out a little bit. My claustrophobia is, nope, not getting in there. Cinder starts reaching for her gloves before she remembers that they're, they're not there. Yeah. We find out this is a suspended animation tank. I have so much to talk about. They were made illegal because of the overpopulation. Why is the world overpopulated when we found out in Cinder that the world population is literally a tenth of the size that it is now in 2020? So I'm guessing World War III and World War IV must have drastically reduced the amount of resources available. 
and the human population. And so now in order to control the amount of resources available to everyone, they have to control the population even further, even so much as to not save people's lives. I mean, I get that. But then why would they spend so much time trying to fix this whole letimosis thing? Yeah. Maybe it was illegal. And then World War Three, World War Four, all these wars happened. And now they're just trying to get things back as well as they can. And it's just been over. It's just overlooked. Like this is kind of like how um, how I forget where, but there's a state in the United States where I think it's like Minnesota or Michigan. You can't get a haircut unless you have your husband or your father's permission. It's like not enforced, but it's just a law that they never took off the books. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's something like that, too. Yeah, that's a good call, because otherwise I really can't imagine overpopulation being a concern at the moment. Cinder only has adult memories. Mostly she remembers being a scared, confused orphan cyborg. And Thorne says, what's it all doing down here? Which I feel like I feel like sometimes Thorne's dialogue is just exposition. Yeah. Because I don't think he's that dumb. Yeah. Somebody has to ask that question aloud so that Cinder can have the really cool moment of, I think it was hiding a princess. Yeah. The the entire chapter of Thorne's dialogue just kind of made me cringe because it was so, I know you're not that dumb. Like, as it's a very like, um, I know you're not that dense. So why yeah. are you asking these questions and not putting two and two together? It's, I feel like it's a plot device. It's, it's a way to get that information to the reader without, um, neglecting it. And, you know, that happens a lot in movies more than books because in movies you don't get the inner monologue. I love the line. I love the, I think it was hiding a princess. I think that's a great line. I just feel like there's some moments when, you know, with all of Thorne's questions where maybe, he comes off as dumber than I think he actually is. Yeah. Um, yeah. During that whole spot, like from the time they get down there mm-hmm. until the end of that chapter, it's just all I could think about was how the shock of what she's seeing had to have been so overwhelming. Yeah. Like, it's no wonder she's just sitting there like, well, I don't know. And, and what is what is this? Like, I can't put this together with, you know, me. It's hard for her, I think, to connect this to, to herself because not only does she not have any memories of it, but she doesn't really have any connection to it outside of those memories because it doesn't seem like she had this deep, dark desire to find herself, you know? Yeah. It's like a, like almost like a faintness, almost in like the back of her mind. Like you know, this this is this is where you were. This is the things, and she's just like herself is just like I, I I can't process this. I can't even look at this. It's almost like when someone tells you something that happened to you, but you don't remember it happening to you. Mm-hmm. And that happens to me all the time, right? Because I have seizures. So sometimes I just, I'll lose a couple of days and I don't know what happened. And then I'll have people who, who tell me what happened. And then that becomes my version of it because it's the only version I know. And 
not to compare that with this, because I realize what she's going through is quite a bit more dramatic. But that's the only way I can relate to it is when something has happened to you that you don't remember. So the only information you have is what other people have given you. And that becomes your memory. That becomes your recollection of the situation. And now she's experiencing it as a new situation where her own memories are starting to not necessarily come back, but maybe come to the surface a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because before they weren't really in her forefront. And we don't know how much time she spent obsessing over this. I'm guessing. I'm sure it's always been in the back of her head wanting to know where she came from, right? Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's almost weird that she's experiencing this with Thorn when she doesn't know him very well. Like, I kind of wish she was experiencing it with Iko and Thorn was just like stuck in the ship. Yeah, for for Cinder, it would have been better um, psychologically mm-hmm. or even alone. Mm-hmm. Something where she nice. could just kind of wander and, and look at the things without worrying about, you know, whether or not he's put it together or not. Yeah. And without having to worry about like whatever she does or says, drawing suspicion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the end of chapter 31. Do you want to talk about what song you chose? Uh, yeah. So the song that I chose for this is acoustic number three by the Goo Goo Dolls. Okay. Um, and it's, I chose my songs based on how they feel. So if you listen to that song, I mean, it's it's almost to a T. That is what she's going through. So what are some of the lyrics that stood out to you? Uh, I, I mean, honestly, it's the whole song. It's it's a very short song. It's only like one or two minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like. The lyrics will go, they painted up your secrets with the lies they told to you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the least they ever gave you was the most that you ever knew. That's very on brand. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I was struggling to find a secondary song because it just fits so well with the entirety of Cinder as a whole. Yeah, I think so, too. I've never right. heard that song before, so I'll have to look it up. Yeah, you probably have because and I just don't realize it. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've listened to that song since I was like twelve, so Yeah. I chose Wake Me Up by Avicii because I kept thinking of that line when I was reading this chapter, I kept thinking of that line of all this time I was finding myself and I didn't know I was lost. Yeah. And I feel like that's how Cinder is. Up until this point, like, there's been gaps in her memory, but she had pretty much accepted her life for what it was. She was the cyborg mechanic stepdaughter that no one really loved. She had a somewhat close relationship with Peony. Her best friend is an android, and she hopes to one day save up enough money to run away from home. And then, you know, all of a sudden she's, this lunar and a lost princess. And now she's supposed to overthrow this dictator queen who's horrible enough that she almost murdered her when she was three years old. She tried to burn her to death. Like, I just feel like that's exactly how Cinder is feeling right now. She just can't wrap her head around this. And I, I mean, I can barely wrap my head around it, so I don't blame her. Yeah. What was your quote for this chapter? 
Honestly, it was it was the last line. I think it's hiding. It was hiding princess. Honestly, it's it's a visual that I have in my brain. So, I I just see her in the room, just kind of looking at these things with all of that emotion just going through her, and and it's just like I could just see her standing there and just being him asking, you know, what was this for or whatever, and she just goes, I think it was hiding princess and it's just it felt yeah. so powerful you know i kind of visualize it in very much the same way that she's like just trying to scan the room and get an overall figure out of what is going on and then he says that and she's coming to the realization at the same time of like deer in the headlights kind of thing yeah you know yeah so my quote was from page 316 Crawling slowly out of endless darkness and blinking, as if for the first time, into a dizzily bright world. Um, mostly that made me think about dealing with depression and how hard it can be to come out of a depression and how blinding real life can be when you're trying to deal with it on top of depression. I think that for me, that particular sentence just struck a chord because it I realize that that's not exactly what it's talking about. I realize that I just, in my own experiences, drew a parallel to depression. Well, and the way that you say that, it draws a parallel. So, I don't know what you said about Frozen. Oh, we said I, all I, kinds of I, about Frozen. It was me and Lindsay. Come on. I loved Frozen 2. I, I loved cried every- so many scene. times watching that. Yes, and I loved yes. everything. And how they portrayed all of these things. And I felt they did a really good job of portraying these very big emotions to little kids. Um, and the way that you say that for your quote just reminds me of um, Anna's song. Do the next right thing. And I can't, I can't even, I still, there are songs in that movie I can't listen to without crying. And I've watched it like a hundred times. I've watched it. So I took my friend Amy's kids to see it in theaters and I cried probably the whole time I watched it. And then as soon as it came out on Disney Plus, Quentin wanted to watch it. So we sat there and watched it. He loves Into the Woods or not Into the Woods, Lost in the Woods. I <laughs> la- We were in a theater by ourselves. Byron, me and Byron were able to see it. And I, I laughed the entire time through that movie. I laughed so hard. I cried. It was just. <laughs> And then, like, certain images would pop up, and I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Ah." (laughs) Olaf is doing his, like, recap of the first movie, (laughs) and he's like, he's like, la, 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 but it's okay, because they have their parents. Their parents are dead. Like, I just busted up laughing. I just, I love him. He's so happy. He's so charming. He's so bubbly, and then he's like, their parents are dead. Did you, uh, when you're watching that scene, did you ever actually watch um, Yelena? I don't think so. When they pop up with, like, Yelena and Lieutenant Matias and their reactions, watch her. Because okay. she's following along, and she's just like, mm-hmm, I saw that coming. Or, <laughs> you know, yeah, okay. That's it's awesome. Hilarious. Oh, it's so great. That's awesome. I need to go back and do that. I, I definitely um, enjoyed it. So now it's time for Chapter 32. We're still at the Benoit farm with Cinder and Thorn. So they're in the room under the hangar, the sub-level. And Cinder thought, how long had it taken? How long had she been unconscious sleeping in this dark cellar? Lavana had tried to kill her when she was only three years old. Her operation had been completed when she was 11. Eight years in a tank, sleeping and dreaming and growing. 
not dead, but not alive either. D, depression. Oh, yeah. I very much felt like um, during this time, she's like almost compartmentalizing it. Mm-hmm. Like, Reading. it's gone from this is super shocking to, okay, this information, this information, this information, click, 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 click. Yeah. So there's no net access because they couldn't have anything that would get back to Lavana. And Thorne finally asks a question I don't mind him asking. What did they do to her? But he's not suspicious. He's just curious. Yeah. Because Thorne doesn't know that the princess is a cyborg. All he knows is that the princess went missing when she was three years old. So knowing that and then coming into this room, it's no wonder he's like, what the f***? What is this room for? I guess then you can kind of see like his denseness in the Mm -hmm. previous chapter where you're just kind of like, because you have reader privilege, you know, you know the information. Perfect words for it. Reader privilege. For starters, they implanted her ID chip and Thorne says, what about all that? And he like gestures to the tank. The burns would have been life-threatening, but their priority would have been to keep her alive and hidden. Some of this stuff is meant to stimulate brain during sleep to provide fake experiences. Her net link yeah. provides an efficient way to learn without drawing suspicion. And this is like where you were talking about it, with her compartmentalizing. It's easy to pretend it's not her because it doesn't feel like it's her. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's also um, almost refusing to... Um, acknowledge really I guess it's it's hard to say so when you see the tank and it's got like the child imprint in it mm-hmm. right and, and you're just like she's just like I don't like I can't even like connect this to me this is this is not okay because you know Lavana did these horrible things to me when I was little and well, what not I think part of it, too, is, like, it's not like the tank is her size. The tank is the size mm-hmm. of her when she was 11. And she doesn't have any memories of it. So she's looking at it, and she's like, I lived in that for eight years, but it's so small. And I think that might be, I think that's probably part of it. Mm-hmm. It just, it reminds me of another book, of another character that was going through something of seeing small children and just refusing to see what she was seeing until... A little later. Mm. Just a connection. That's all. The compartmentalizing thing is definitely there. Yeah. Because she starts using she. Well, the whole book is told in third person. So it's going to use, it's going to be she to herself. Well, I mean, it just, maybe I just like assume when she's thinking, she still Mm -hmm. is saying they did this to her and she was in here instead of connecting it to herself yeah i could see that because she says it's easy to pretend it wasn't her because it doesn't feel like her mm-hmm. so we get our first a catch of this episode this is why she doesn't have any memories whatsoever from before new beijing because all of her experiences were stimulated by this tank the only thing that she has that's a real memory is her recurring nightmare the burning which now she has an explanation for i guess yeah. So they go to turn everything on. Cinder gets a little anxious, but it's not a hologram of her. It's a hologram of Michelle Benoit, who had a spinal and nervous system bioelectricity security block installed. And that's supposed to be the same thing that Cinder had, only it blocks the use of the lunar gift. Yeah. 
so that she can't tell yeah. anybody about Princess Celine. Mm-hmm. Thorne asks a very important question. Um, why doesn't everybody have one of these? Because well. <laughs> Garen died before it could be fully tested and developed. So, mm-hmm. And then Cinder thinks of Garen and what could have been, which always makes me a little sad. Yeah, because, I mean, if he'd have been there, like, her life would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. So... And her relationship with Audrey and Pearl might have even been a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. They might have, you know, maybe at least liked her. Or at least accepted her, you know, treated her like a human, maybe. Yeah, instead of... Or maybe, like, tolerated her better or something, I guess. Yeah. You know? Something better than the way that she was treated. Absolutely. Thorne says that this is proof that the princess was here. It's it's interesting that he doesn't realize. Cinder points out, like, okay, he doesn't realize that all these tools are for cyborgs and androids. But what bothers me is that he doesn't notice the hand. He doesn't yeah. notice the three-fingered hand. That I don't get. I feel like he should notice that. Well, he might also not be looking at all the details either because it's not nearly as connected to him. That's true. To him, it's just an empty room. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. He's just looking around like, yeah, this is a room and proof that she was here. And Cinder's just like, I know exactly what every single thing in this room does. (laughs) I suppose it's also fair to say that that stuff's not interesting, right? Like the tools and the mechanic equipment, if you're walking in there, that's not what's drawing your attention. That's not what's interesting. What's interesting to him is this holograph, this tank, this stimulator machine. Like, that's all the stuff that's getting his attention. So that all, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas with her, I mean, Cyborg is like the bane of her existence. Exactly. So it's going to draw her and be like, well, this is this and this is this. Mm-hmm. So... Cinder starts to think maybe she should tell him. He deserves to know. He deserves to know what kind of danger he's putting himself into. But before I yelled at that. Just do it. Yeah. That's like me reading every book or watching every movie or TV show. I'm like, why don't you guys just talk to each other? (laughs) Communication is key. But she says that he deserves to know. And before she can really tell him, he says, screen, show Princess Celine. I got general anxiety. I was like, so this is me like reading and taking notes, right? Because this is what I do is I read and I take notes. And I was like reading and taking notes. And I was just like, and I'm an expression person. My face gives everything away pretty much. And I just, I was just like, and you just hear Quentin go, really? (laughs) It's dramatic, dude. It's, there's a moment going on. And it's especially when you, when you, and you feel that you feel Yes, I was like, oh, you've been in a thing where everyone has been in some moment where somebody has done or said something and you're just like, oh, God, they're going to find out, yeah. you know, My so it's not a secret. It's it's a big feeling like it right is. there. But it turns out it's not her. It was a photo of a child. What was left of a child? She was oh. wrapped in bandages from her neck to the stump of her left thigh. Her right arm and shoulder were uncovered, showing the skin that was couched bloody red in spots, bright pink and glossy in others. She had no hair, and the burn marks continued up her neck and across her cheek. The left side of her face was swollen and disfigured. 
Only the slit of her eye could be seen, and a line of stitches ran along her earlobe before cutting across her lips. Cinder raised trembling fingers to her mouth, smoothing over the skin. No scar. It's so disturbing. It's so disturbing. Mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. And I have a, um, I have a two and a half year old. So just, and, and she's so small. And I mean, she's tough, but she's just small. And I, 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 I won't lie. Like that specific scene. Now that I'm a mom, I, I block out completely. I can't. I can't. It would make me like want to go hug her. Oh, it would make me. It would make me like demand a hug from the tiny human. Oh yes, and (laughs) and I do. Um, whenever there's something like if I'm watching a TV show, and something happens to a small child or anything like that, it's just an immediate just like, (laughs) which leads you right into you know, Thorn's part. Why? Who would do this to a child? Exactly. And I cannot imagine hating any, any child that much. I think that the whole concept of hating anyone that much is overwhelming. But to do it to an innocent child is just that much worse. And this is what I'm talking about. This is this is where my mind went originally when you walk down into that cellar. It's like, okay, this looks like something from a serial killer. Like this looks like an episode of Law and Order, not a place to house a princess. And now this image that we're seeing of this, you know, beaten child, this shell of what's left of a child is like definitely something from a horror movie. But Mm -hmm. Cinder says that she doesn't have any memory of the suffering and doesn't even really have any scars other than the scar tissue around her implants. Which is a blessing. blessing. It is a blessing. But Thorne's question lingered haunting the cold room. Queen Lavana had done this to a child, barely more than a baby to her own niece. Yeah, she's pretty, there's a reason she's called the predator. So they don't actually know that Michelle Benoit is missing because Thorne says we should go talk to Michelle Benoit. Mm-hmm. So they're still they're still completely in the dark about that. Oh yeah. And then of course while they're doing that, like Cinder's just going through her brain, like all these people, all of these people mm-hmm. who did everything that they could to to keep her safe and to keep her doing this, and and she's just gosh the. There's so much emotion in these, just these two chapters. I know. And it's like 20, it's not even 20 pages because they believed she could grow into someone powerful enough to stop Lavana. It kind of makes me think of Harry Potter, how in the last couple of Harry Potter books, Harry is like dealing with this overwhelming anxiety of like everybody keeps dying for him. Yeah. And he can't connect to to the fact that like they're dying so that he can complete this goal and this task. And he's like, well, what if they all die and I don't complete the task? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. seems to be a theme in young adult literature. <laughs> they go back outside and no one's in the house. All the doors are unlocked. So they go inside the house and they're looking around. And the only thing that's there is dishes on the table. Like someone just left. They go upstairs and look around and Before they go upstairs, Cinder says that she knows there's an ID chip upstairs. So Cinder can track ID chips. Did we know that before? I feel like I don't remember knowing that. No, I don't remember. 
it makes sense with her cyborg stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if if it hasn't been mentioned before, then it's definitely like a, a an un unwanted hint that she gave. That's true. That I have all this stuff in my head. Like an unsuspecting yeah, and then and then Thorn doesn't pick it up because it was no, just so he's much Thorne. passing. Because no, Thorn yeah. is blissfully unaware of the world around him. Oh, blissfully yes. unaware. So they start walking up the stairs and they see a picture of Scarlet and Thorn is like, "Ooh, she's so cute. She's well, hot." Hello, Scarlet. <laughs> I love. Or he's such a flirt. Cinder's more worried about what they're going to find when they get upstairs than how hot the redhead is. And the room looks like the hangar. It's in complete disarray. And yeah. she finds her ID chip. Again, I feel like Thorne is not this stupid. Like, it frustrates me just a little bit. Like, yeah. what's that? Michelle Benoit. You mean she's not here? Try to keep up. Oh, yeah. You like, can feel the frustration in Cinder right now. Like, Yeah, yeah. How do we track a person who doesn't have an ID chip? We don't. That's the whole point of removing it. <laughs> and then he's like, let's go talk to the neighbors. We're not talking to anyone. We're still fugitives in case you've forgotten. Like, I just Again, feel like he's not this dense. Yeah, she's so frustrated. And I don't blame her because he kind of, he's not helping. He's not helping oh. at all. And this is a stressful situation for her. And she can't even tell him that it's stressful. So there's no one here. There's no one with the answers. We might as well leave. They're not talking to anybody. They're not getting anywhere. Let's just go. And they go down the stairs and the door swings open. And a pretty girl with honey blonde curls is in front of her. Which, again, reader privilege. We know who that is, but they don't. Yep. And I love Thorne. Bonjour, mademoiselle. And then she thinks. <laughs> She's definitely a fun, like, comic release character, too. I think that's why I like him so much. These books can be so stressful. And his chapters, I usually get to have a couple of LOL moments. So, yeah. What was your chapter title? What was your song? Uh, this one um, was Hello by Evanescence. Again, they're all for feelings, okay? Feelings. Yeah. So, but that's, uh, part of, that's part of it is discussing why we chose our songs. Yeah, so when I listen to this song, like, I mean, this is, both songs that I chose are very, they're emotional songs. They are mm -hmm. more on the sad side. Um, but this one, you know, it starts out with, um, like, child elements of, like, the school bell rings, and then it says, hasn't anyone told you she's not sleeping and then it just goes into like i'm your mind living for you so you can hide and it just brought me into like her in the tank obviously she wouldn't remember any of this but right but but her mind does mm -hmm. and just like the tank experience and yeah yeah, I can see that. Listen to it. It's good. I listened to Evanescence probably since high school. Since me. <laughs> so I chose Here Goes Nothing by Never Shout Never. 
because I kept thinking of the part where it, there's a line in the song where he says, I'll sit back and I'll watch the show and I'll lay awake. And there's, it's a really good song. I encourage everyone to go listen to the acoustic version because it's obviously the best. But the lyrics, I think, really translated to what's going on here because she's against perhaps her better judgment or maybe even her own self-preservation. She's going through with it. She's trying to find answers. She's trying to figure out what she can do. She's doing the next right thing. Maybe that would have been a good song choice, too. And in the middle of all of that, she has all this information that's coming at her that she can't really process yet. She can't really do anything with it yet. And the answers that she needs just aren't there. And I feel like that's, this song helps to replicate that because that's the song I think is supposed to actually be about a relationship in general. But I think it's, I think of it more as her relationship with herself versus her relationship with who Celine is because she doesn't see herself as Celine. Celine is this other person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and hello is I actually looked it up to see what it was supposed to be like what she wrote it about. Mm. And it was actually about her losing a sibling when she was young. Oh. Um, so if you want to look so, at Cinder in two different perspectives. Mhm. This was after I had chosen the song and I was just like mm. I still like the song. We're going with the song. Um but part of the reason I didn't choose do the next right thing is because I have a a very emotional attachment to that song. Um, just with how she's dealing with what she's going through. Yeah. That whole movie just impacted me so well. It just did. So much, so much. But, I mean, you know, like, my brother passed away mm-hmm. nine years ago. Very and- unexpectedly. Yeah, so that was, that definitely, like, hit me really hard. And actually, I told Byron, I was like, this is how I feel. This is what happened. So that's why I didn't choose that song. That's fair. Because it didn't feel the same. Yeah. See, I kept thinking of of Here Goes Nothing because there's just so many. Are you familiar with uh, Never Shout Never? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. That's my favorite song by him. But, like, some of the lyrics that really stuck out to me is, like, I don't know anything, but I wanted you to see I've got nothing. I'll sit back and I'll watch the show. I'll lay awake and watch the stars as they collide. My eyes don't see and I don't breathe the way I used to. I don't know. There's just so much going on that I don't know what the song is actually about because I don't care. Um <laughs> Well, because songs mean something different for the person who wrote it versus the person who's listening to it. And so, you know, a lot of times I don't necessarily care too much about what the song is meant to be about. It's what it means to me, which is probably why I think Taylor Swift songs are so easy for people to like, because, you know, they're somewhat vague. And so it's really easy for you to put it your own perspective into it. Patreon members will get to vote on which chapter title we choose. And what was your quote? Um, I, I loved Cinder Sass, so my quote was, we don't, she said. That's the whole point. <laughs> the relationship the two of them have is probably one of my favorite things about this book so far. Mm-hmm. Is that, because I think at first, personally, I hate love triangles. I think they're overdone. No shade. I also read Nora Roberts, so, I mean, 
and I watch Hallmark Christmas movies. I have, I'm not saying I have high taste or anything. I just, <laughs> I get really tired of love triangles. Also because I always seem to pick the person that nobody else picks. And then I just feel like bad about myself. Um, like I've said before, I'm team Amy and I'm team PETA and people look at me like I'm insane. And I'm like, what? I thought those were the good ones. I don't team Amy, um, little women. Mm, mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've always been team Amy. And I've gotten a lot of for that. I liked Peta better. <laughs> I loved Peta. Peta is so great, and he can. Ugh. Oh, anyways, um, that's another podcast. Give me a story. good dy- dystopian fantasy any day. But I, I get tired of the love triangle nonsense sometimes, and I love that you know we get this we start this book and it's like oh no another boy but she's supposed to be with kai and then as it turns out they bicker like brother and sister and it's like oh okay good phew platonomy is great mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's part of the reason why um my favorite author's books i absolutely love because like they have their their relationships but there's never really a love triangle there's never mm-hmm. like oh I like, I mean, like in the first series, like the main character has a couple of people that do like her, but it's not, it's not like the main focal point of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like this side thing. And I just, I like them so much. Yeah, I do too. I think they have a great relationship. So my quote was not funny. My quote was from page 325. The ghost of her child self lingered in the air, a victim struggling to stay alive. I got done reading this chapter, and normally when I'm reading a chapter, I read and I take my notes, and then I go back through, and I try to find which quote I liked best. And I got done reading this chapter, and all I could think about was staring, her staring at her own image and the burns and the body and so mm-hmm. that's why I chose this quote. It just really stuck out to me. Like I said, I, I try to block that out because I, I end up visualizing it. And I know very few small two-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of block that out. It's it's not one of my favorite parts at all because I just... No. And that's understandable. Oof, so this week... There was one Easter egg and one glove, and next week we're going to do chapters 33 and 34, and this episode is going to come out the day before the one-year anniversary of the podcast, so the next episode will come out the next day, because that's my present for the podcast listeners. There's also a Patreon bonus for the month of May. If you join Patreon, you will get a Prince Kai Fan Pod sticker. And you can join for the first fiscal month for free. I made that a thing. Yay. Yay. Thank you for coming. Did you have fun? Yeah. Was it like yeah. as nerve wracking as you thought it was going to be? Yeah, I wasn't really nervous per se. Um, I always like wanted to be in a book club, but it's so hard to be part of a book club in person when... Mm-hmm. Ever well, and I have very limited tastes at the moment. So. <laughs> That's fair. So you laugh, but I'm to a point right now where all I want to read is a fantasy novel. It doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. Give me magic. Give me knights. 
give me a big world ending thing that takes 12 books to finish. I've been on that kick, but with fairy tale adaptations for probably three or four years now. And just when I thought I found all of them, I found a new one on my Kindle by K.M. Shea. The Timeless Fairy Tales. I'm on book seven. There's 11 of them, and then there's like a spinoff, so I have to check that out too. And then, of course, all of these that need to be read. And Quentin already is going to buy me another bookshelf, he said, which is really nice. I love marriage. Mine didn't come. I'm very sorry. Mine came and someone assembled it for me and put it in my room. So maybe that'll happen again. Because I know we were talking yesterday about how I was, like, cleaning out the office and mm-hmm. getting ready for those bookcases that were supposed to come today. But they didn't. I'm super grouchy about it. it says I don't blame you. Today, I ordered a shirt not. three weeks ago? Three weeks ago, we ordered a shirt that still hasn't come. That's upsetting. Well, it's, it'll get here eventually. There's stuff going on. Well, and I and I get I totally get that. And then my bookcases had to come from like California. Mm. But I ordered these things two weeks ago. Yeah. And it says they're in Champagne, and I'm very upset. Champagne's so close though. I know. <laughs> they could have just brought them here. <laughs> Thank you for coming. I hope that you had fun. I did. It was very nice. It is. It's very nice to have like the conversation about it because I'm the only one in my house that actually reads, and Evie can't read at the moment. So right. Well, she can, just not the way you think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember, I encourage you letting her read. <laughs> What's really funny is uh, she started reading Brown Bear to me. Oh. And she she followed it. Like, she wasn't reading it, but she was going, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? Yes. You're so cute. So anyways, thank you for coming. I hope that you have a good night and stay safe. So until next time, don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. <laughs> Bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Ariel Henry. The logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening.